My name is Natalie Nation, and you're listening to Feed That Nation. Today's episode is the second of two that will discuss a topic that I've grown to be very passionate about, food insecurity in college students. Around a year ago, I got involved with food insecurity issues on my campus and have been working closely with the St. Kate's Food Shelf ever since. I've loved exploring the intersection between nutrition and public health, and I wanted to dedicate a two-part episode to not only talking about food shelves and other interventions available for students, but also exploring the impact of food insecurity on the student experience. In part one of the podcast, Rebecca Layton with the Nutritious You Food Pantry and I discussed the history of our two food shelves, and she emphasized how important it is for people looking for solutions to food insecurity to not only look at short-term solutions, but to look upstream to the bigger issues causing food insecurity. For part two of this episode, I asked my friend Dakota Noel to come and talk with me because he shared recently with me that for a year of his college experience, he was food insecure. Dakota is a senior theater technology and design major at the University of Minnesota. Hi, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming. So I brought you in to talk about food insecurity because you have personal experience with food insecurity as a student, right? Yeah, I spent uh, like a year of my studies, like seriously food insecure. Wow, okay. So let's talk about that. Seriously food insecure. So what did that look like for you? Um, It was a lot of not knowing where my next meal came from because I was living paycheck to paycheck and my entire paycheck was going to pay my rent. So I had a roof over my head, but I had no food in my fridge. So um, the best I could afford was like a canister of the cheapest coffee from the cheapest grocery store and then I would like just drink coffee all day to suppress my appetite. And yeah, because caffeine is an appetite suppressant. Yep. Mm-hmm. So what were you eating at that time other than just drinking coffee? Um, so I am fortunate enough that my um, campus ministry does soup for students on Tuesdays and so I had one meal that I was always at, which was like a soup lunch on Tuesdays. And then um, after that, though, it was a lot of like trying to figure out where I could find the handout or... The free meal at the student, whatever. Right. Or the, you know, cookies on campus days. Yeah. Or and then you just like take as many as you can fit into your bag and mm-hmm. go home. And that's that's lunch or that's dinner because that's what's there. Exactly. Did you did you have roommates at the time? I had four. And did they know you were food insecure? I suspect they did, but we never talked about it, uh, and I tried not to make it apparent. That's fair. Um, did your family know? Uh, not until I got into a fight with my mother, and I just blurted it out. My intention was to take it to my grave. Okay. <laughs> And why did you want to keep it a secret? Um, I'm not sure. I'm a prideful person. <laughs> so, like, that admission might have been a lot for me. But I'm not sure if that's the only reason. But I just... I also... My mother's a big worrier. And I just didn't want her to worry. Exactly. So... 
And I mean, food insecurity, seeing the students I work with, some students are very like proud and they walk into the food shelf and they bring their friends and they're all talking about it and they're very open. And then some students are much more private about it. So I can imagine like there's a lot of stigmas around like not being able to afford food because it points to your financial situation. And that's got to be very difficult. Oh, yeah, totally. So you were finding food around campus and you were eating meals that departments and organizations were hosting. How did you feel during that time? Oh, awful. It's like, I think the only nutritious meal I was getting is the like homemade soup. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, but uh, I was eating a lot of like, hey, we have canes while supplies last. And if your diet consists of canes. Canes is a chicken and fries type of fast food place. Three days a week, then like, it's not, it's not going to end well for you. Exactly. And you're, you're a dancer. You're a ballroom dancer. Yeah, I do over 40 styles of ballroom Latin and swing. So how did you feel when you were doing all of these dancing and practices and competitions while you were food insecure? Um, so if I had a meal, but it wasn't the best meal, you just feel a little, like, sick. Uh, but if I didn't have a meal, like, fainting, the, like, the risk of fainting or becoming very lightheaded or like dehydrating felt so much higher it Mm. was a much more like dangerous game for me when I didn't have a meal in me that day and I dance almost every day Mm -hmm. so of course so other than finding meals on campus were there other resources that you were able to access that helped you I didn't uh I, they were there. I didn't find out about Nutritious You, our food pantry, until um, my second semester of this issue. Mm -hmm. But I also didn't, like, think about going to a food shelf or a food pantry or whatever you want to call it and didn't think about going to, like, the, the other types of, like, soup kitchen style meals. Mm-hmm. because of that idea that, like, someone's always got it worse than me that's so, like, very drilled into you, especially in a campus that is focused on social justice. Oh, yeah, we see that a lot. And granted, St. Kate's is a women's college, so I'm seeing a lot of the, like, well, I'm sure someone needs it more than me, and that sort of, like, selfless, like, oh, I don't really need it. But then you really do. If you need it, you need it. Right, right. And that's the, the big boundary that I had to c- get over while... um finally going to Nutritious You and getting access to that food pantry or doing that, I should say, because I had access the whole time I had access. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what resources, because the food shelf was available and you just maybe didn't know about it, and then yeah. were you hesitant to access it once you knew it was there? Yes. Yeah. For the same reasons that I didn't access other food shelves. I even volunteered at a food shelf at the time, and uh, occasionally I would like take home like damaged goods mm-hmm. because you can't package damaged goods for like meals on wheels or whatever and so they just throw them out of center more i'm like well i'll take them so one time i brought home like eight cans of corn (laughs) so you ate a lot of corn that week yeah pretty much (laughs) um what resources would you have liked to have been available to you or do you think you would have accessed them at all i now with retrospect and like knowing that I should just access it despite this idea of, like, the, like, selfless, 
someone else probably needs it more, but, like, need is need. Uh, I definitely would have at least liked to see better advertising for Nutritious You. I would have liked to know that that was going on earlier. Mm -hmm. Besides that, I don't know. I know here at St. Kate's we have our food shelf, which meets twice a month, and then we, through our Access and Success, which is our student parent um, department, they um, do a lot of resource work with student parents to make sure that, you know, it's hard to be a student parent. And then we have Residence Life, which is another um, bigger organization that works with students. So sometimes if students can't come to the food shelf, they'll reach out to Access and Success or Residence Life, and we'll fill a bag for them. Oh, okay. So that's something else we do, which is really fun. I get to do a lot of the filling of the bags in the food shelf while it's happening. So it's fun to pick out stuff for students. But then I think, you know, food shelves aren't necessarily the only resource. And Rebecca and I talked about this a little bit. But when thinking about food insecurity, like, sure, food shelves are great. They meet students' immediate needs. But then thinking about what else can we be doing? How can we be solving the problem before it becomes a problem? Right. Um... Part of it is def- certainly um, brought on by the way I chose to, like, pay my rent and my tuition because I had decided to just use my scholarships and the money I had and my loans for my tuition and then I, my paycheck would be able to afford me at one time rent plus some groceries, uh, which were fine, but then it became just rent very quickly and, mm-hmm. like, other sorts of overheads. And so I think the onus is on me for that one of, like, recognizing that maybe I need to take out another loan to, like, cover groceries or rent or whatever while I'm in college, which is a terrible thing to have to say because that shouldn't be... Yeah, and I don't feel like necessarily you should blame yourself for that because you tried to plan ahead, you tried to budget, you tried to think about what you would need, and then those needs weren't what you were expecting, and that's not your fault. Right. So I, but I do think that the onus there is on me as a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I don't know about like what future, because I just sort of, I just I picked up more hours at work and I picked up extra jobs and now I have like a multi-stream income that is supporting me, mm-hmm. uh, as well as allowing me to be a student. But I don't know what kind of like future forward resources um, there are even like being talked about or like are being touched right now in the world so you mentioned that you're working more jobs now you have a larger stream of income so would you say you're more food secure now i am in that i'm eating regularly and uh i am generally getting better produce and better things um and maybe that's because i spent so long getting the really bad stuff that like gave you the calorie high or whatever uh and so i just can't stand it anymore but uh i am more food secure than i was certainly Mm -hmm. and it's so difficult when we're talking about food insecurity rebecca gave the definition that she uses which is a lack of reliable access to adequate amounts of nutritious food And that's like a really loaded definition and the way I would break it down would be like reliable access. Do you have reliable transportation to a grocery store that has all of the things you need? And for college students, we talked about this way back in, I think, podcast 2A maybe, but talking about if it's snowy, 
you can't necessarily walk to the grocery store. Or if it's icy, you don't want to be carrying 30 pounds of groceries on your back because you could trip. Yeah. And reliable access is, I don't know, a huge issue on a lot of college campuses where there are a lot of convenience stores with energy-dense junk foods and inexpensive but not necessarily nutritious foods and then a lack of affordable nutritious foods like produce and lean proteins and whole grains and things like that. Right, yeah. Um, one of the things that just got started up uh, when uh, a little bit before this for me was a shuttle to uh, that the quarry with the target and the cub and the... Oh, yeah, I know yeah, what it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, was new or was at least marketed as new during like my freshman or sophomore year of college so so before I had my car up here for reliable access uh it was cool then I guess to see that reliable access was being taken at least somewhat seriously there mm-hmm. and then I think something else that gets me about adequate amounts of food because I see students in the food shelf a lot and some like student parents will bring their little kids in with them and I think about how difficult it must be to have limited resources to purchase food and then have to divide those limited foods among multiple members of a family or multiple members of a household. Yeah, certainly. Uh, At the food shelf I volunteer at, uh, they had this problem with people giving their food to their pets Really? Yeah, so the because oftentimes with uh like single person homes with like a pet in it, uh they were giving part of their food to the pet cuz they couldn't afford the dog's food either mm-hmm. or they whatever. Uh so they were not getting adequate amounts of the food that they like should have been getting adequate amounts from because they were being given it mm-hmm. uh because of their care for this other living thing under their roof and so the food shelf started a kind of like a meals on wheels for pets sort of thing oh, that's cute. so now if you have an animal they actually give dog food or cat food or whatever to and what's the name of that food shelf uh i go through community emergency services okay. food shelf is that in minneapolis yep okay just for listeners um so now that you're in a better food secure situation than you were what's changed for you other than having more to eat i am eating better than than i probably ever was honestly uh because this this event probably made me realize how important food was to me uh, I'm cooking better and more elaborately, actually. I, I have no qualms spending two hours to make a really elaborate, like, multi-dish meal because mm-hmm. it's just, it's good and it's uh, really a, a different, it's a, it's an experience as well as, like, really... And it's something you're definitely not going to take for granted. Though. Right, right. Um, I think those are the big ones, is that, like, I'm buying better stuff. I'm also preparing it better mm-hmm. are the big ones yeah yeah and then when you were really food insecure were you having issues with other areas of your financial life you want to talk about that um yeah certainly so i think i mean when you're 
my food insecurity stemmed from the fact that I could only pay my rent, right? Mm -hmm. So um, the only thing I had was like the whatever my rent is. I'm not going to tell you all how much I made and how much I pay for rent. (laughs) But uh, plus like five or ten dollars, which paid for like nothing. Yeah, five or ten dollars doesn't go very far anymore. Right. And so, uh, I, I mean, I was on a very, like, loanish situation with, like, my, my electric is the only thing that my apartment actually has us pay for Mm -hmm. separate from the, like, rent, and one of us has to manage that, and so I was just, like, I was, like, on loan with my roommate all the time. I was like, hey, uh, here's what I've got. And so I'd have, give him, like, a 20 or a 10 or whatever, and I'd mm-hmm. be like, I'll get you the rest when I get the rest. So if I was living alone, then I would have had my power shut off. Um, and I think that's tough. I mean, you're a college student. You need mm-hmm. your, You need power and internet just to, like, do your homework yeah Yeah, do anything do your homework (laughs) uh and so if I wasn't in the exact like sort of situation I was in that could have been a lot worse but I recognize how bad it could have been Mm -hmm. um it just I see you sacrifice a lot of like social life too because so many of the things you do even if they only cost five dollars it's your last five dollars you know and so that becomes uh, uh, a weighted process for you too and so oftentimes you end up sacrificing a lot of your social life mm-hmm. and it feels as though a lot of the social opportunities we have at college cost money whether it's you know the people you're living with want to order pizza for dinner or you know the organization or club that you're in you know wants to be able to get t-shirts pay ten dollars for that and just all of these things cost money and when you don't have money that's really limiting right totally uh yeah I don't even know why I felt the need to answer with totally there. Well. <laughs> no, you're right. Uh, there is definitely a huge focus on, like, finance. I mean, what, uh, I'm not in a flat or a sorority, but they all have their dues, too. And so mm-hmm. a lot, in a lot of ways, you're paying for your social encounters there. The, the, one of the dance clubs that I'm with has their dues at the beginning of the year, so I can still afford it at that time, but... Mm-hmm. Maybe I would have wanted that forty dollars back later. Maybe, <laughs> but and then, I mean, as a college student, I'll do my own budgeting and I'll think about you know, okay, I'm paying my phone bill this month and I'm you know paying for this and then groceries are this much, which I split with my roommate and then it adds up really quickly. It adds up more quickly than I would have expected. Yeah, as a college student, even like. I have a relatively secure financial income, which is great, but it's always surprising to me when things cost more than I'm expecting, and I'm like, well, oh, not cool. Rude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, totally. I agree with you. I think at a, for a while my budget was like $50 a month for groceries or whatever, and uh, I never, I can never stick to $50 a month for groceries, but... Uh, and now I have increased that budget because I'm having to, like, fill out my spice cabinet and fill out my, like, the, like, oils and all those things. The things you only buy, like, twice a year. But, but are, like, yeah. investments for cooking. Exactly. Uh, and because I didn't have them because I was eating bare bones for a while, I now have to be like, well, I need 
toasted sesame oil, which if you've ever bought toasted sesame oil is like $8 a bottle. <laughs> but And it's certainly a privilege to be able to afford that. Right, right. And I, I agree. <laughs> so we talked about this a little bit earlier, but you didn't tell your roommates and you really didn't tell your family until you had to. Did you tell anybody at all? No. 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 No one. I am definitely the kind of person who not wants you to think I have it all together, but as long as I can keep that illusion up for your own security, I will. Um, and I mean, my roommates, we all buy, uh, even now, and I still live with two of the four that I was living with at the time. Um, we all buy our groceries separately. Uh, so there are three gallons of milk in the fridge and there are, because that's just who my roommates are and I'm fine with it. Mm -hmm. But, um, so it wasn't like I was like, hey, uh, here's what I can afford for our groceries. Uh, y'all just let me know if I'm always stepping bounds or whatever. It was like, why do y'all need to know if I'm not splitting the bill with you anyway? Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's not that my roommates wouldn't have cared or that they wouldn't have been engaged with it but the like because of the situation we were already in I wasn't expecting anything different mm -hmm. so when did you start becoming more comfortable telling people because you shared that with me a few weeks ago when we were talking about food insecurity you're like oh yeah I was food insecure but when did you start getting comfortable sharing that um after I was out of it and after I realized like that there definitely was some good that happened to me because of it like not when I was in it but the like some of those psychological sort of flips that happen after you threw it, it ha it has had an effect that is for the betterment of our health either way you look at it. Mm -hmm. So once I realized that that was also something that happened, and that it was an experience that some people don't have, and um, is an issue in college that people aren't comfortable talking about, uh, I kind of decided that it was important that I become comfortable to talk about it because if someone else is willing, maybe someone who is but isn't going to say it is going to be more willing to mm -hmm. go to a food shelf or find help or just even talk about it with yeah. someone. And there's statistics that show that one-third of college students or even more than that are food insecure. So I think it's really great that you brought up word of mouth, which is something Rebecca and I also talked about, like sharing, like spreading the word about resources for food insecure students. Even if like I talk about the food shelf all the time because I work there and it's so much fun to get to spread the word. And I've had people come up to me and approach me and ask me questions and tell me that they're food insecure. And I think opening those doors for conversation is really important. I think that's true in a lot of things not just food insecurity, but in any issue in general, mm -hmm. once you have that ability to talk about it, uh, you open the door for other people to be more comfortable talking about it. Absolutely. Next, I asked Dakota about his experience with the intersection between food insecurity and disability. Dakota has cerebral palsy, which we both refer to here as CP. I also reference a statistic which states that people with disabilities are at least two times more likely to experience food insecurity than people without disabilities. So you have CP? Yes. Do you think that, I mean, how did that 
kind of compound onto your issues, or do you think it did? Um, well, so from my CP, I feel as though I get a few independence um, because of my how my mental state sort of my like personality relates with it. So like. Uh, I jokingly and not so jokingly sometimes say that uh, the moment you tell me I can't do something, especially because of my CP, is the moment I'm going to learn to do it, and then I'll decide whether I like doing it or not later. Um, <laughs> but uh, so that certainly was, uh, and but so that's a fuse independence thing, and so obviously I wasn't uh, looking for help because I should be able to grab those bootstraps and oh yeah and the statistics on people who have disabilities who are food insecure it's like so much higher and i'm sure that disparity is something that you're working to not be a statistic in Uh, (laughs) i didn't know i didn't know it was a statistic so uh probably not or at least not consciously Mm -hmm. um but i think that's a big one i don't know other things that I think about with it is, like, uh, thinking about it now, if, like, culturally speaking, also, like, probably men are less likely to seek help for food insecurity than women, too, right? Yeah. Rebecca, this is, again, something we talked about after I turned the recorder off, but she was saying that more, more women than men come to the food shelf at the U, and obviously I can't really cite that statistic at St. Kate's, being that we're a... <laughs> An all women's college, we do have a few men in the graduate programs and so forth. So, and some of them come to the food shelf. Also, technically true for St. Kate's. Technically true, but not, not a fair <laughs> comparison there. No, certainly not. Um, yeah, so I assume that, that that intersection certainly played a role in uh, my decision to not, or to like not seek out resources or just uh, buckle down and get through it. Mm-hmm. Dakota and I talked about ways that students can be more inclusive of their classmates and more considerate of others that are facing food insecurity. I think something really important for people to be considerate of when they're planning events or wanting to be inclusive is to definitely have the option of doing something that's free versus something that's more expensive. Like if a bunch of friends want to see a movie, being considerate of maybe this movie costs $4 at this theater, but this one costs $8 at that one and choosing the less expensive one or offering like, hey, if, you know, I'll buy the tickets if you want to get us a snack to share and just being considerate of that. Certainly. I even think with the movie, especially, I'm like, I think about it as a freshman, there was a big TV in one of our lounge lounge spaces and as a, uh, as a person with a reasonably sized apartment, I can have a couple of friends over. So like, um, even foregoing the movie tickets and doing movie nights, so what if it's not the new Star Wars or whatever? It's mm-hmm. still like, if your intent is really on community there, then you should be okay with maybe watching something that's not the latest and greatest, but maybe like an old favorite of yours or like something that like a lot of people can enjoy. And exactly. then you cut the cost out entirely, short of like, you know, the the box of popcorn that someone almost certainly brought to campus their freshman year. Exactly. And I think that also ties into choosing activities that are respectful of people's time. Because I know a lot of college students work many hours a week, so it's really difficult when you, like, always want to hang out and always want to do these things that cost money, and then all the people you want to hang out with have jobs or 
they can't afford to do the things because they need to be working or this and this and this. Right. So being respectful of people's time is also really important. When I picked up a leadership position in a campus ministry, um, I had to really consciously set my hours so that I wasn't working Saturdays or Sundays mm-hmm. um, because a lot of our events go on on Saturdays and Sundays, which is like fail because a lot of college students are naturally trying to set their hours so that they're not working on those days. And so as like the, the community building and outreach leader, I need to make sure that I'm available during those times. And yet somehow I managed to find myself a job that keeps me busy all Sunday anyway. But um, so... Um, definitely. And so like that became a really interesting juggling to deal with. Cause I'm like, well, I need at least this many hours in mm-hmm. this specific job and I need to match it with these other two jobs, which isn't hard when one of them doesn't have night hours and the other two are only night hours, <laughs> but something else I've been thinking about is like, if I knew someone was food insecure and as far as I know no one in my immediate friend group is but I would not hesitate to make sure to invite them over to dinner a little more often or you know like treat them in the cafeteria because mm-hmm. I have meal points and just those like very simple things yeah yeah and I'm very um, food oriented so I'm very I like to be generous with food just because I like food and it makes me happy <laughs> but thinking about being considerate of people and not necessarily making them feel like a charity case, but certainly being generous with your resources when you have them. Right, when you have the excess, then redistributing that into someone with a little bit of need, not to go all socialist on you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, I think you're right. I think that's uh, certainly a thing that can happen. I think you also run the risk of, again, you said it, making someone feel like a charity case. Because mm-hmm. how would you have reacted if you knew a friend was inviting you over to dinner more often because they knew you needed it? Uh, A little weirded out, but, like, grateful nonetheless, I guess, because, uh, but, like, they already know at this point, and they're already doing it, and it's just, I'm, like, I'm not going to be able to stop it, because it's already started, basically. Um, I think, and we touched on this earlier, but I think one of the last things that's really, really important in students supporting each other is talking about resources that are available, and talking about the issue, and making it apparent through your words and actions that you think the issue is awful, but you think the people facing the issue deserve help and support and deserve respect. Yeah, certainly. Um, And this extends way outside of food insecurity. Oh, it extends so far into everything. I think about, like, what, like, the Patch Adams movie where he's, like, uh, you treat... Uh, you treat a disease, you win some, you lose some. I guarantee you, if you treat the person, you'll always win. Um, and so, like, that, like, idea of recognizing the person as a person who, at this point in their time, has a disease or a financial insecurity or whatever it is. Or a mental health yeah. issue or this and this and this. Yeah, just who has X, like, um, is... Um, super important because I'm not like I'm not you you are then not staring at some at like a financial hole but a person who has fallen on hard times mm-hmm, exactly what would you say <laughs> to students who are facing food insecurity now or what advice would you give them or give your past self um, just 
I think the big one we've said a couple of times is just because someone might need it more doesn't mean you don't need it. So go and get that help. Mm-hmm. And also it's like not a sign of weakness to ask for help, which is a thing that I struggle with even now mentally and like a lot of other aspects of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it certainly comes to play when the need is physical. So it's not, uh, it's not a sign of weakness to go ask for help. Oh, get that help. And so do it. You'll feel so much better um, physically and most likely mentally and emotionally when you have that help, even if you don't need it forever, you need it right now. So Exactly. And I would say to anyone listening who is food insecure or thinks they might be food insecure, if you don't know what your resources are, uh, great places on your campus to reach out to are places like your student affairs office, your residence life office, if you have a student life or student activities type of office, a lot of times people who work there, if they're not the people you need to be talking to, they're going to know who they can connect you with to make sure you're getting resources. I think Rebecca with Nutritious U works out of the student affairs office at the U, so that's what I'm referencing there. But just make sure you're asking for help if you need it and make sure that you're reaching out. And if the person you ask at your university isn't the person to ask, then they can certainly connect you with the right people. Yeah, they should know how to route your phone calls just fine. Exactly. Or forward your emails. (laughs) Right, no one makes phone calls anymore. Yeah, old. (laughs) (laughs) While Dakota and I both agree that opening up more conversations about food insecurity is a positive thing, I'd like to add that I asked Dakota for his permission to interview him, and he consented. Every person's experience is different, and I'd encourage anyone wanting to start a conversation about food insecurity to be sensitive to other situations and respect others' privacy. I am so grateful that Dakota was willing to have this conversation with me about his personal experience with food insecurity as a student. I appreciate that he shared his insights, and I learned a lot from talking with him about how he perceived his situation and his thoughts on the resources available to him. His thoughts on the impact of food insecurity on the social life and student experience gave me a lot to think about as I continue my work with the St. Kate's Food Shelf. In my next episode, I will be talking about how on-campus agriculture can promote food literacy. I've got two more awesome guests lined up to have some really incredible discussions. So until next time, my name is Natalie Nation, and you're listening to Feed That Nation. Have a great day, and I'll talk to you soon.